it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Welcome into the Marvel Stuff Podcast, where like every single week, we're going to discuss the same topic that we discuss every week. Yep, never missed it once. And that's what's your favorite brand of water? I mean, as long I Aquafina guy personally, but as long as you don't say Dasani, I think we're I'm okay. A bougie boy, and I like like smart water. You know, smart water. Uh, okay, okay, yep. okay. Yes, 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 is that yes, the end yes. of the argument? Because I feel like that's, that's a short episode. Yeah, water sucks. Water's bland, that's for sure. Let's talk about Marvel stuff then. I'm Coach, and with me as always, Josh Kennedy from, and of course, joining us every other week. Ron. It's Ron here. Ron, you need a cool nickname. I'm I know. sick of you here. Just, I, just oh, like, I, I already like, have so many cool nicknames. It's just a matter of choosing Ron, which one. Ron, McGron. I just like Ron every other week. Ron. Just, that's, it you know what? Well. Next time you'll see, it'll that'll just be it. It'll be literally Ron every other week, Ron. Yeah. Okay, it, that's it fine. flows well. Nothing. Uh, I love it. So let's, let's jump into today's episode. There's no news really to hit, um, but we still wanted to get you guys an episode because we like having fun and... We want to make sure you guys get an episode every week. So yes. we're going to start a new series on a little bit of time off. And it's going to be our Marvel versus series. Where we're just going to take Marvel and we're going to compare it and compete it against other um, pop culture things. We're going to do things from Harry Potter to Lord of the Rings to, you know, Star Wars probably eventually. And even Star Trek, which isn't quite as cool, but some people on this show seem to like it. Uh, but we wanted to start, obviously, with the big gun, the main argument uh, we wanted to just shoot shoot our shot right at the beginning. We're going to go Marvel versus DC. Ron's here to be the moderator and judge uh, between me and Josh, who uh, winner gets to, to take over the podcast, really, is what's happening here. So we're excited about it. We already uh, – that's not happening. But I am personally the biggest DC expert anybody around me knows. So I will be repping DC today while Coach will be – repping our namesake and please don't crucify me because obviously i'm also a marvel fan so deal with it it's true but uh, today he's gonna pretend it sucks and i'm gonna pretend the dc sucks even though i know it's good ron you're in charge sounds great uh yeah i guess first up we are pitting a character from each against one another what you got character so i'm gonna go character first um you want me to go first josh uh, yeah, you can be first on character. That's fine. Yeah, I think obviously the answer you're going to go with, and I have yeah. to go big to try to beat it. Um, and there's really only two answers. It's either am I going Wolverine or am I going Spider-Man? And I'm going to have to go Spider-Man because yeah. he has had an MCU debut. So he's been good both in and out of it. He's got standalone movies that work. I see what you're doing there. He's got a series of team-up movies that work. He's funny. He brings an emotion, and Ron, he's are really loud, so that's helpful Sorry. in my argument. Um, I think that's obviously a point in my favorite that Ron keys are very For loud. Sure. But yeah, I mean, Tom, Tom Holland's Spider-Man is, is the best version of Spider-Man, but it's been successful, at least the Spider-Man character himself, in every iteration it's been made, from the cartoon all the way through. I um, mean, obviously seeing the, the latest culmination of all three of the live-action ones together, 
was a magical moment that no one else has met yet. So I think as an opening selling point, Spider-Man, easy victory. He's got the most flexibility and the most uh, the most power here. Yeah, I don't, I, I don't agree. <laughs> just start out that way. Uh, I have a lot of love and respect for Spider-Man as per usual on this podcast, but I think the granddaddy, the greatest of all time, the goat of comic books is Batman, the Dark Knight, Bruce Wayne. Even in his worst version, he is still dope. He's still awesome. Even when George Clooney donned the clown, the clown, oh wow, cow. The clown, the clown costume, <laughs> the clown, yeah, I yes, saw him out there. Yeah, joker joke there. Now, even when he donned the, you know, Cowl in Batman and Robin, that movie is straight up awful, but it was one of my favorites as a kid. It's a great, fun time for kids to watch. And I've never seen anyone do Batman bad, because it's hard to mess up the character that much. I think you got to go all the way back to Adam West. He was the campy, silly, fun time superhero. He was a... What other superhero stuff did you have going on at that point? Especially on TV, you had Christopher Reeve's Superman, which everyone loved, but Adam West is beloved as well. And then we move on to Michael Keaton, who is coming back as Batman in future projects, including Flashpoint, which is going to be sweet. And then he's also going to be playing Bruce Wayne in Batgirl. Uh, Comic books, just the version, the amount of titles that Batman has sold for DC is incomparable. Like, Spider-Man's great. Love that guy. How many titles does Spider-Man have? Three, four. Batman has, I believe, currently 14 currently running comic book series. Some of them are limited series. I will give you that. But he is such a stupid popular character that I don't even know how you can begin to argue that Spider-Man is better. I do love the guy. He's great. He's not as... I, I just... I don't get the thing here. I've been obsessed with Batman since I was a kid, so that's why... I think most kids feel that way. Ron, why don't you shoot both of us one follow-up question uh, to try to set us up for a rebuttal, and then we'll go from there. How's that sound? Although you may be frozen, so that might sound terrible. I'll just rebuttal anyway, then, while Ron sits there frozen. Hopefully he gets his connection back. Um, oh, there he goes. Yeah, Ron, we got you. One one follow-up question for each of you? One follow-up question for each of us to try to yeah. steer where your head's at and what we need okay. to respond to. Um. So, they're both clearly awesome. And cards on the table, The Dark Knight is one of my two favorite movies of all time. The other one is Jurassic Park, not Spider-Man. But we're not just going with one movie, right? No, we're not. We're going with characters. So, I want each of you to pitch to me the worst version of the other person's character. Coach, you tell me the worst version of Batman you can think of. Josh, can you tell me the worst version of Spider-Man? When they were done poorly, unless you compare it to your character. It's already happened, or pitch a version where they would be terrible. No, no, one that's already happened. One that's already happened. Okay. Um, I think I think there's. You could argue the Ben Affleck one, but I think a lot of people have respect for the broodiness of it. I've went back and watched Adam West at least like five episodes. It's it's terrible to watch. It's actually like so annoying. It's like it's not Batman in any way. It's it's a Traditional He's regular a guy. That's a, He's 1960s coach. Yeah, 1960s. It's boring. You weren't it's allowed no, to put blood. I don't. Gold. That, the argument isn't for the time. The argument is that it was not fun. That what like when doing a 1960 coach. When Batman Nothing. doesn't get a chance. When Batman doesn't get a chance to be brooding and brutal 
mm-hmm. he's boring. So, like, yeah. Spider-Man could work in any sort of rating system. Batman cannot. Batman mm. has to function at least at, like, PG-13. He's got to, like, he's got to have some so brutalness long. to him, otherwise he's no fun. Uh, okay. you go. That's that's my that's my final Ridiculous. point. I can't believe you insulted Adam West <laughs> on the Marvel stuff. His best guess. role was in Fairly Odd Parents. Jimmy, Fairly okay, Odd yeah, Catman. Yes. I I understand the joke. Uh, whatever uh one this is ridiculous the fact that batman has transcended decades while spider-man's been sitting there in the dust until recently i think that's an argument in and of itself spider-man all he was doing back in the 60s was starring starring in absolutely terrible black and white serial movies that were direct to tv that no one liked because they sucked you spider-man is nothing without graphics within movies he can't do anything cool all he has is corny props that he, he's pretending to swing across the yeah. city well, we exist we exist in the 2020s now okay so we exist okay but we said character we didn't say any time saying. period here batman is an established staple in society That's spider-man fair. is now he's great i love spider-man now that we have millions of dollars that can make him look cool but adam west was doing it on a budget and people loved it how many lunch boxes was Spider- if i lose this argument to adam west i'm gonna be so i'm not saying adam west is the best batman but that's where you're <laughs> but, 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 so I'm... You know, right now all right all right all right what do you have to say okay. about, about spider-man let's see what, what what's the worst spider-man I, I mean, I touched on it a little bit. The worst version of Spider-Man was the 1960s serial stuff. And the reason it was so terrible is because they were quiet. The dialogue was awful. The actors were stupid. They like Just the writing behind it was terrible. The whole reason that they did those serial movies was just because that character was gaining something in comic books. But I would challenge Ron to say, Ron, have you ever watched the serial movies from the 1960s of Spider-Man? Nope, but nor have I watched the Adam West version, so... All right, well, all right, well then, shut up. No, I'm just... <laughs> I, I've not seen the Spider-Man, the old-school Spider-Man. I, I have seen good. the Spider-Man uh, Japanese, where he's pretty much just a Power Ranger. Um, those are very funny, That's but it's I'm actually it's actually just an episode of Power Ranger, and they call him Spider-Man. talking about the American, black and white, <laughs> no, never seen like, them. knitted by your grandma costume. The acting's stupid. He can't do any of his powers because of the time period. Without... CGI and things to make Spider-Man look cool. He's a dumb character. Yeah, without brooding and darkness, Batman's a dumb Okay. Character. Adam West was the Bright Knight, and people no, loved him. All right, Ron. So I'm assuming that I get to make the rules on what I judge by, correct, yeah, as the yeah. judge? Yep, sure. Okay. So, I could go with my opinion, but that's boring, because that's just me, and justice should be fair and equal. So I'm going to go based off of your arguments... And I'll tell you who I think the winner is, and then I'll and then I'll tell you why, um, Coach. I'm giving this one to you um, specifically because Josh Kennedy. I feel like if you're going to talk about Batman's impact, you got to focus a little bit more on the '90s television show, which a lot of people would argue is the best thing he's ever done. I was um, alone. Coach didn't talk about the Spider-Man cartoon at all, even though I know. Well, the Spider-Man cartoon is not as good as the Batman one. Um, That's true. That's why yeah, they're in I don't know. It's hard to recite an entire resume for a character when he's had as many iterations. It has been decided. One nothing Marvel. This is the Marvel Stuff Podcast after all, and we get to start with a victory. Right. Well, everyone write in, even though you're Marvel's fan, tell us how wrong that is because Batman's. The yeah, best. absolutely. Yeah. Do you remember, okay. Brian was trying to base it off the argument, not necessarily. Also, also tell us which even, though Batman, even though Batman's my favorite superhero, the 
George Clooney? No, no, terrible. I'm not saying terrible. that was good. I'm saying it's the like worst it. version of his character. I'm ter- surprised you went at the best. Terrible. Clooney was the worst. Terrible. Um, okay, we're going to go next. We're going to go TV show. Oh, you're going out of order. Okay. Oh, that's fine. Just, one. Yeah, yeah, I'm going out of uh, order. Throw I'm them going off. First. Be ready. Only because I want to base my TV show off of what you say for a TV show. This seems like malarkey. Um, the best. You can have the winner go first. Yeah, we can do that. Okay. All right. That's fair. Um, the best Marvel TV show. And I'm going to try to stick in stick in the realm of of live action, if only because there's an animated character category Should later. Follow that then. Uh, you don't have to. I'm just saying what I'm going to do. And if you want to try to, you know, win fair to fair, you could. Um, I'll go. I think. I think my favorite Marvel TV show is The Punisher. Um, There's there's some other good ones, and I know it's not technically the MCU or whatever. It was a Marvel character, and it's a Marvel TV show, and it's great. Uh, The acting by John Berthold is great the whole time. Uh, Both seasons, I think, are just as good as each other. He does a really good job of starting off as the brooding. You know, too cool for school. Can't can't have anybody around him. Uh, but he grows and he learns to accept people in both times. And but the best part is the macho ness. I mean, it's it's something we that's a big part of why we like comic books. We like the macho character doing the cool things. And obviously, knowing he's limited by being just a human with guns uh, makes it that much cooler when he does things that seem superhuman. And plus, he gets to do things that are brutal in that show. It's not limited by anything. Absolutely, just breaking bones. He buries someone in a cement thing at one point, which is awesome. Um, his best friend, that whole arc about his best friend betraying him, dope. Punisher, great show. I agree. It's a good show. All right, Point Marvel. Let's go. Uh, no. Let's do not. Uh, I have a couple of shows that I was debating on, so I'll just... Because The Punisher's only one season, can I pick one season from a show, or should I be picking from an entirety? Because I can do either. Punisher's two seasons. Two seasons? Okay, fine. Two seasons, whatever. And, yeah, and I include both seasons, so yeah. Big shit. Shoot your shot. Well, that's the thing. Is like I would love to argue Arrow, because season two is one of the greatest television seasons to ever happen ever, yeah. but oh. the later seasons are stupid, so I can't uh, <laughs> properly argue that. So I'm going to go recent. Maybe it's recency bias, but I think it's uh, it's gained a lot of popularity. And if you haven't watched it yet, go check it out on HBO Max. I'm arguing John Cena's Peacemaker. Oh, my gosh. Are you really? I mean, it's I love it. But are you that's of all the DC yeah. shows? That's yeah, so funny. There's so many DC shows. I do I'm love picking this one because one, it has a comedy element, which people love within TV shows. It's almost a violent sitcom with a superhero story overarching. Ron, have you seen the show? I have not, so I'm gonna I'm gonna just try to listen to what you're saying really clearly, and then compare it specifically to what Coach said about that's Punisher. A fair way to do it, then you got you got just send it now. You send well, your he's argument. He's already seen the Punisher, so he knows how good it is. Me explaining the Peacemaker with him having no background it, in it doesn't exactly make. I trust Ron's. I trust John. Ron's we'll John. give you a little more time on the clock, Josh, to explain. God, you're killing me. Did you at least he's... watch the Suicide okay. Squad? Oh yeah. Yeah, I can imagine based upon James Gunn and the Suicide Squad what Peacemaker he took would the character be like. of Peacemaker from the Suicide Squad and he did something that is almost never done within TV shows is he took a character that you absolutely hated at his in his previous appearance. People hated Peacemaker at the end of the Suicide Squad because he killed Rick Flagg and betrayed pretty much everyone except Amanda Waller. 
and James Gunn took this character, brought it into a TV show, gave him a redemption arc to where you root for this character over everyone else. He's got a complicated backstory where his dad used to pit him against his brother to fight like it's a cockfight or a dogfight. He would have his kids beat the crap out of each other, and his hillbilly friends in the trailer park would pay to watch it, and John Cena's brother accidentally... Or, excuse me, John Cena accidentally killed his brother. His name's Chris in the show. But that whole emotional arc, that's not even a main focus of the show, but it's a thread that's brought throughout, and it's gorgeous how James Gunn did it. Uh, the graphic violence, super funny. Uh, some of the best improving skills I've seen on any TV show ever. That's not an exaggeration. I promise you watch it. They go on five-minute tangents for no reason. And then at the end, after the credits, they do another scene that extends the five minutes that he did of improv. So John Cena just out here flexing on everyone. They take this silly idea of uh, the world being taken over by these things called the butterflies. It's similar to Star Wars. Spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah. Spoiler alert right here for Peacemaker if you guys haven't seen it. I don't think saying the bad guy is a spoiler, but I am going to get into spoilers here. Uh, the butterflies invade the brains. He gets put on the Task Force X, which was uh, kind of developed in the Suicide Squad. Do you, you do you remember the squad that hit Amanda Waller with the mic stand? The heavier guy with the thick beard, Ron. Economics. The guys that were like the, pe- the people in the office. The people in the office. The office guys. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Court. Yeah. So they get to make the transition from the movie to the TV show. They're given their own emotional story arcs and just. I don't know how they beautifully crafted it so well. Uh, some hilarious cameos. I don't think... Like, the Punisher... Did they have cameos? I mean... The Daredevil? There's there's nothing to do with cameos here. <laughs> Big spoiler. Everyone spoiler here. Peacemaker. There's one of the funniest cameos I've seen in my entire life. With Jason Momoa as Aquaman. And Ezra Miller as The Flash. And there's a really funny exchange. I won't spoil what they say. But just having this movie get jolted into the cinematic universe which i think is definitely a point in my favor because screw the punisher he's not in any universe what's he doing now he's just mad chilling my my show counts for something it's still within the universe and uh i think that's what i want to wrap up for now but i'm ready for this follow-up well i'll tell you this i'll say, I'll say this uh, real real quick and easy peacemaker slow um, it's not as interesting the first three episodes, especially the other characters. Outside of John Cena's actual Peacemaker, all the interesting stuff, the like whole dynamic with his dad being like a white supremacist stuff, you don't you don't feel that until like episode four, it feels like which is No, he's a white supremacist from episode I know, one. but you don't feel like that's important to what John Cena's doing until like you start to realize that he is against I it mean, a little I- bit. I so, don't necessarily agree. I think the relationship with the father is something that it, it's pretty obvious from the start. I just remember, I just remember feeling like the only thing interesting is that John Cena was funny until like at least three episodes in. Whereas I felt like Don Berthold was dope. Episode one was doing dope shit. Like I said, net breaking kneecaps and throwing people in cement. Um, so I, I just resonate more with the, the emotional connections that are happening inside of a much more streamlined version and there's a little bit of a much cooler intrigue going on with Punisher, whereas Mind Control Aliens, it seems pretty surface level, the villains it's themselves. It's James Gunn. <laughs> it is very James Gunn. So I'll give you that. But that's that's my, that's my why I think Punisher's a little better. Okay. For the record, Josh, 
I actually don't love season two of The Punisher, and so it's not like me seeing that necessarily gives Coach the advantage. What? Um, what? Not as good well, I like it. Of- it's just not like the best thing ever. Um, that's, that's true. It's good. Uh, so uh, a follow-up question for both to kind of make make this more equitable, especially given my position of having seen one and not the other. So Coach, Josh just gave me the big like emotional pitch to Peacemaker about why you care about the character why do you feel like the Punisher as a character, other than his bravado and macho-ness and the action, why do you think him as a character works in the TV show? You know, I, I would tell you this. The, the nice thing about the show is that his character isn't as important to the actual show being good as the other characters. I think his best friend's emotional arc, uh, especially in season two when he has to like come back from the post-traumatic stress of it, is the more interesting part of it. In season, in season two, it's interesting that he has to like deal with, like, do I take down my friend even though like he doesn't really remember me? What's the what's the point of that one? I like in season one that he has the the tie of like, does he need to keep going at this point? He's already exacted revenge for his family. He kind of is, doesn't really need to keep fighting, and he keeps trying to find new ways because of the new people he's meeting, and that gives him new reasons to keep fighting. Um, but. He's the sense of the Punisher the whole time. He doesn't change much. It's just he keeps finding good reasons to be the badass character that we like. Coach, I don't mean to tear down your argument, but you just said your main character is not important and doesn't develop. <laughs> that doesn't mean the show's not that doesn't mean the show's not good. This isn't a character argument. This is the argument for the show. The show Punisher is great yeah, because of the other characters. That the titular character should be more important than he is. But well, sure. that's an argument you could make. But he just watched Boba Fett, and people seem to like that. And he's the worst character by far. Yeah, well, I don't love Boba right. Fett. So, um, Josh Kennedy, here's your question. Here's your follow-up question. Let's get it. So, Coach kind of talks some about the interpersonal relationships that the Punisher has, which I think he would maybe say are more interesting. And then he criticized a lot of the characters in – Peacemaker, um, sell me other than the the family dynamic. Sell me on the relationship Punisher has with other characters. Peacemaker, yeah. Sorry, Peacemaker. That's no, yes, okay. Peacemaker. Yeah, no, Don't start with a P. Both that ass. So that's yeah. an interesting thing about this show is the group starts as strangers. If you watch the post credit scene of the Suicide Squad, the two characters specifically say we're getting screwed by Waller because we messed up. We're getting put on cleanup duty. So that essentially sets up how their relationship starts. And by the end, they're all absolutely best friends. I'll tell you a little bit of the stuff that came in between, but the fact that you can take them from mortal enemies or completely wanting nothing to do with each other to being some really close, tight-knit family-type team, I think is important. Now, the team itself is a little complicated. So Mern is the Amanda Waller uh, connection. He's uh, essentially the guy from the government that's running the team. Harcourt's an agent. Economos is the tech guy. And they send in Adebayo. Now, you don't know Adebayo at all yet because she hasn't shown up. And spoiler alert, again, I know the show's new, so I feel bad trying to argue it. But Adebayo is the daughter of Amanda Waller. But the other characters aren't privy to that information throughout. So she starts out at the complete opposite spectrum of Peacemaker, where Peacemaker, he was raised by a white white supremacist. So he has some of those conservative beliefs, but he doesn't feel as strong. Like, he's not racist. He's not sexist. He has no homophobia. So he is trying his best to be accepting of the society around him. And Adebayo is a married black lesbian woman. And they 
start on these opposite side of the spectrums and they actually become the most developed relationship throughout the show with different heart-wrenching scenes where they have sit-downs and you know heart-to-hearts and things like that so i would say that's the most important thing with that relationship. Right, Ron, the, other, the other characters have similar things but i don't want to take up too much time yeah but yeah all okay emotionally um so I'll, I'll be honest um I was looking forward to seeing the Punisher in the MCU moving forward, putting aside the whole like how will they do the violence thing. Um, And I had little desire to go watch the Peacemaker partially just due to the amount of TV shows I already watched, but um, I'm ready to go watch it freaking right now on HBO max. So Josh, I'm going to give you this one. Yeah, no, Josh won before it even started. It's so good. The Peacemaker is so good. (laughs) Um, It does start a little slow and it like, but once you start to understand, yeah, it's it's just so it, it's so it also sounds it also part of me is interested in watching it because it sounds better than almost everything else the DCU has put out. So oh, um, the plug, uh, if you guys want to hear my reviews on the Peacemaker, go check out Radioactive Paper Cuts, my other podcast. Yeah, yeah. it is. It, no, it's yeah. it's by far the best thing the the DCEU, if you want to call it that, is ever put together. Probably other than maybe like Wonder Woman, but even hey, it's better than I Wonder like Peace, I like Peacemaker. All right, Ryan, next category. Give it to us. Okay. Yep, that's fine. Next, we're going to do... We're going to do non-cinematic. Okay, so so we got to choose a movie that is not within the cinematic universe of uh, our selected category. So it can't be a a Marvel movie that is not MCU and a DC movie that is not DCEU. I thought this category puts me at a distinct disadvantage... But that's a, there's plenty of there's, there's just as many Marvel movies outside of the MCU as there is. That's that's DC. true, and I um, I I have a good idea of what you're representing, and you know what I'm representing. And to be clear, these are two of my favorite movies of all time. But to be even more clear, my number one non DCEU movie is The Dark Knight, starring Christian Bale and Heath Ledger. And I don't even know how much I can say about this, but because we're for the sake of the political debate we're doing here, the story arc, I guess not political. I mean, toss that word in there. It's, it's a good word. It good gets word. people it's going. Canceled as well. Harvey Dent was a great DA even before he was Two-Faced. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yes, yes, that's okay. true. So the Dark Knight picks up where Batman Begins left off. And Batman Begins is in and of itself a pretty solid movie, but nothing compared to the sequel. This is one of... A semi-rare instance where the sequel is significantly better than the first movie within the franchise. I think anybody that's a comic book fan has seen The Dark Knight, and you can see what it's truly like to see a visionary director like Christopher Nolan take on a iconic franchise like The Batman and just combining them together and putting them in a realistic world where you don't have to worry about the superpowers of Superman or Green Lantern or The Flash. It... It's grounded in reality, and I think that's it has established that as the go-to for all of comic book movies for the rest of time. Every I don't think there's a single comic book movie that's never been compared to The Dark Knight. That's how good this movie is, and I don't think anyone's going to argue that. It's it just takes the performance of Heath Heath Ledger, which is he's won his Oscar posthumously mm-hmm. for playing a supporting character within this movie. You guys have seen, I feel kind of ridiculous explaining how awesome this movie is, but at the same time, I'll just do it anyway. Uh, killer actors. We got Morgan Freeman, Michael Caine, Christian Bale, Heath Ledger. The list goes on. Aaron Eckert as Two-Face. 
in even Two-Face, which I won't even argue why the Joker's the greatest of all time. He's the anarchist. He's the be- probably the best comic book car- villain. I don't think anyone's going to argue that he's not at least top three. So the fact that they took Two-Face, made him a secondary character, and his storyline within the comic books is relatively plain, but they took it, put it, centered it in reality. Instead of having like a weird chemically blue face, they peeled it back like what would actually happen if you took acid to the face. Taking the golden knight of Gotham and then taking him all the way down to the dirt where he's this hideous monster that tries to kill the uh, commissioner. He's not the commissioner at that point, but Gordon's kid. And I, 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 I don't know what else to say, man. Like the Batmobile scenes are awesome. The costume is sweet. It's, it's just unreal how good that movie is. All right. Um, I'm not going to say anything in response to Dark Knight. I'll save that for later because uh, I'm going to go on my own little runway here. And I'm going to say what I think is actually true. I legitimately believe this. I think Logan is the best comic movie that's ever been made. Um, we're going to do our final um, part of the uh, the Wolverine little trilogy we've been doing, our deep dives on. Um, so this will be different than that because this is more about just why it's good, whereas deep dive is more about why I emotionally connect to it. There's a few things about this. Number one, it's an even rarer constant uh, situation where it's the finale and it's the best movie. Um, that never happens. This movie nails it. It's perfect. Um, it does a lot of things super interestingly. Whereas you said The Dark Knight has a a grounded reality because there's no superheroes. This movie does what no other movie does in that it takes what has superheroes and X-Men and people with magical powers and grounds that in reality, which I think is even more interesting that it's able Mm -hmm. to take that scene where it talks about like, what does, um, you know, Pep Stewart's character. Oh my God. Why am I Xavier? Xavier. When he has his, uh, I couldn't believe it. I couldn't think of that for half a second when he can't control his powers. Once he starts to get dementia, which is a very real life, real world issue that we deal with. How would we deal with that with someone who has extraordinary powers? That's kind of the whole crux of this movie. And it and it sells it so well. Not only is it dangerous, but it's it's harmful to him. It's harmful to Logan, who has to take care of him. Uh, it's such a, a theme that a lot of people connect to. You have to take care of someone who's in trouble. But it expands upon it because that there's superhero powers that are dangerous to everybody around him. It, it takes and it strips Logan down to being a base form because he has to take care of Xavier and, you know, the adamantium is making him a little poison, which is weakening him as well. So he's got to take care of somebody else, but he's already weak of his own volition. And now he's stuck in this world. And obviously there's a driving force in the government that's that's forcing these things to move more rapidly than they'd like to. But there's so many scenes that sell how good this whole theme is. When they're in the casino and like, he just starts freezing everybody and everybody's freaking out in this casino because Xavier's having some sort of attack. And Logan has to just power through it is the iconic killing people while they're still frozen. And then they die afterwards scene. It's insanely cool. And then that's not even to mention the whole like meeting of X 23 and she's trying to run away and he's got to now protect her as well. But she gets to do badass shit in the meantime. And of course the most important part is it's the ending. It is the, the, the truest send off. I think the truest send off. The only other argument I think you could make is for Iron Man at the end of the MCU um, of a character that we love, we've loved for years and years and years, that gets that counts towards this movie because of the buildup that we had. If you just watched Logan on your own, well, you're an idiot. You should have watched some of the other X-Men movies going into it. 
and you get to watch his send off his final goodbye um, to an actor that we love watching this character. So I just love everything about Logan. There's, there's few of any scenes that I even remotely would skip. Um, I just think it's, I think it's a perfect movie from start to end. So that's my son point on Logan uh, before I trash dark Knight. As probably the worst trash dark Knight. I can trash dark Knight. I'll just go again. I'll just keep rolling. Part two here, my rebuttal to Dark Knight's garbage. The worst movie of all time. No, of course not. I don't actually believe that. Um, it's very fun. It's it's a very cool movie. I've always thought it was a little overrated, only because I don't think there's a lot of things, there's a lot of scenes that I love going back and watching. Um, outside of the opening scene, which I think is always fun, it doesn't really have Batman. I, I don't love the Joker stuff that, is with Batman. The Joker stuff without Batman when he's like with the mobsters and stuff, I think is more interesting than Joker when he's with Batman. I don't particularly care for his fight in the scene. And he's like, Oh, they're going to blow each other up. That's just what people do. And Batman's just like dangling him. I just don't care for that scene. I don't think it's interesting. I I never felt the tension when I watched it. I never believed the people were going to blow each other up. I just think Joker is less interesting in front of Batman. I think Batman's less interesting around Joker, but everything else besides that relationship, I think is a really good movie. But if that's your son, put your main good, good guy and your main bad guy. I just don't think they mesh together super well. I don't agree with that. I think Joker is highlighted uh, when he's by himself more than when he's with Batman. But I think yeah. the cool thing about those two characters throughout this movie is the mental uh, warfare they're going through. It's not necessarily physical combat because that's a no contest. Batman's trained in million, you know, there are thousands of martial arts, everything that he's gone through to get to where he is as this like supreme soldier. And then the Joker is just an anarchist and he's blowing things up and playing mind games on the citizens of Gotham. And it hits the Joker perfectly. I, I don't think that that their scenes together are fine like the scene where they're in the interview at gcpd like the intensity of that scene is to this day considered one of the better scenes in just cinema in general the fact that he's going to town on the joker trying to figure out where rachel is and he's got harvey dent in one place rachel in the other batman has to make the decision and he switches it and tells them that harvey dent's location is rachel's and all that good stuff so it's i I, I don't know. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't, I just don't agree, but I, I understand and I respect your argument. All right. You, sounds like he's got nothing. Trash Logan. Sounds, uh, sounds like he's got nothing bad to say about Logan. So I wasn't done. I was rebuttaling at your rebuttal. I was not, uh, Fair rebuttaling Logan. Uh, Logan, first off, great movie. Love it. Well, I mean, if I stop there, we should just give the poetry coach, but that's sadly not the only case. Uh, you even said it in your argument, which I thought was interesting, that it's not a good standalone movie, and we're arguing standalone movie. <laughs> so the established universe behind Logan is why that movie hit so hard. You don't need to watch Batman Begins before The Dark Knight. In fact, I didn't watch Batman Begins before I watched The Dark Knight. I watched The Dark Knight in theaters before I knew Batman Begins even existed. And the movie is still one of the greatest cinematic adventures you can go on. Logan, I love it because it gives you the conclusion to these, you know, I don't know, what is it, nine movies, whatever it is. It's great. We love Hugh Jackman as Wolverine. But if you watch that movie by itself, there's no, there's not really any stakes. It's like, why why do we care about this bald guy? Like, we get that he has dementia and he's ruining society and this, that, and the other thing. And they're experimenting on kids. 
it's a solid movie, but it doesn't have the teeth that it has without the established universe behind it. Batman can stand alone. Well, if you get a rebuttal, my rebuttal, I'll rebuttal your rebuttal one time real quick. Uh, I disagree with that assessment. I think that the Logan dying part, and Logan specifically, you should have watched the other ones, but you, I mean, there's plenty of people who know what it means like to take care of someone who needs to be taken care of, whether it's a parent who's old or all kinds of things, whether it's an old dog or something, you know what it feels like to have to take care of someone who's struggling. That's an easy connection for them to make. We also all understand the idea of kids being, you know, tracked and taken care and kidnapped and being abused. Um, we all understand that's an easy connection ploy and an easy reason to root for Logan to win. So you don't need to have watched it to connect to those parts. It just won't be as sad when Logan dies at the end. All right. Ron, you're up. Um, okay. Question for each of you. They're both known as being superhero movies that do the best job of being that type of superhero movie within a certain type of genre. The Dark Knight is a crime movie. Logan's been compared to a Western. That's right. Um, would love to hear your thoughts on how uh, good of a job those movies did at blending those things together. Yeah, that's fine. Uh, the idea of it being a crime movie, that almost just comes with the territory. Batman's the world's greatest detective, and it was fully embraced throughout this movie. Like, the whole fact that he had to uh, figure out who tried to assassinate the mayor, that whole crime sequence where he recalibrated a bullet in his bat cave, and that gave him the fingerprint that led him to this person. And, like, all of the... And then, obviously... Joker's committing crimes throughout this entire movie and Batman eventually stops them and uh, his crimes are heinous. He blows up a hospital. He forces boatloads of people to choose to kill each other and things along those lines. So just any good crime movie has good crimes and the Joker has no shortage of those. So I, I that's my uh, case for why it's a solid crime movie. Because it's in itself. Yeah, I get you. Uh, Alright, so it's interesting because I, I know, love the comparison to being a western. At least not in the western that I think of, um, where it's like you know a standoffs and and kind of one on one uh, saving more. Because every western I connect to is more magnificent seven sort of western. But I do think of it more as a as like the an old school last man standing road trip movie. Well, that's kind of how I always think of it. Which I guess there are westerns that are like that, but I've always felt it's more of a. This is this is the last of a breed, which I guess is, you know, that's the end of the Western era. But it's the last of a breed doing one last heroic mission to get things done. And you feel it absolutely from the beginning when he gets his his ass whooped uh, by the crowbar with the people. You feel that he is definitely on his last legs. Um, and it, it keeps reiterating as he he meets his younger self as a clone and he has to deal with that. And you can tell that he's dragging himself along the whole time and, and you know, it's coming to an end, but you just want to see him just survive that one more minute. Cause you want him to succeed. Um, because in the theater, you can just feel that there's no chance he's making out of there. And you really just want him to succeed one last time before he, uh, kind of fades away. And I think the movie does a great job of it. And so to me, that's where it feels that that western feel even though it doesn't do a lot of the same tropes that you might expect yep yep um 
Yeah. This one is hard because I've seen Logan once and I liked it. And The Dark Knight is, as I said, one of my favorite movies of all time. Um, however, I'm going to give this one to Coach. I'm putting my Batman biases aside. I think um, we're doing that in both categories. The first no and the third one. Chance. I think... Um, yeah, I think I think Coach, you um, absolutely described. I think why Logan worked as a movie, even though it shouldn't have. Um, and um, yeah, Josh, I know you emphasized the Joker a lot. He's not even my favorite part of that movie, actually. Um, I actually prefer Two Face as a villain in that movie, um, unfortunately for you. But interesting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Hard. Good one to Coach. Um, we're going to do team up next. Well, that sucks. All right. Uh, team up movies. There's a lot of, a lot of good ones here for Marvel to choose from than I do. Let's yeah. make sure we Worse. list that handicap real quick. Yeah, I do. I do agree. There's a handicap. I think the best team up movie for Marvel is probably going to be civil war. It is, uh, it's not only my favorite, um, movie, and the entire MCU, but it's it's one of my favorite superhero movies because it's two teams. I think it, it gets an inherent advantage because it gets to be two different teams uh, right off the start. And not the thing that it falls short in is that it doesn't connect its teams as they don't feel as interesting, but the dynamic between teams fighting each other, that's where all the intrigue comes in. So the obviously the Cap versus Iron Man intrigue is interesting, but then you get to see people like, Hawkeye and Black Widow competing. You get to see Spider-Man <laughs> competing against, you know, Falcon and those. And they get, some of them have deep, interesting connections. Others have just quippy lines that they get to have back and forth. Um, and you get to see the morality of some people going against it, where other people just kind of get dragged into it. But obviously the best part's that it has the most cool action scenes. Um, I would argue that anyway, the hangar scene is as good as any action scene that's existed. It's super fun. It's super funny. It does a lot of cool things. Um, but then, of course, the final fight is super, super brutal. But it's it's very intriguing because you get to see Iron Man's suit and what it can do as it figures things out. You get to see the will of Captain America. And you get a definitive final answer that uh, Captain America would win, which is cool. And obviously, Black Panther being a through line through the whole thing where he kind of – he's – seeking revenge the entire time and it's sort of getting in both teams way but at the end he kind of has to learn his lesson seeing all the hate and what it's causing so it's a good lesson for everyone to go home with i just love civil war i think there's there's nothing more fun than watching civil war i don't think there's any any part of that movie that's not just kind of either funny or cool to look at okay uh, another good movie. I will give you that. I like that movie. I love Marvel. I'm on the Marvel stuff. That's true. Uh, I had a couple of choices here, not as many as you did, and I almost went the Suicide Squad, but I kind of. But you went with Justice League, the best movie of all time. I went with Justice League, the Snyder Cut. Oh, that is. It is much better. Seen the Snyder Cut. It is essentially Zack Snyder's masterpiece. He, the whole marketing behind it and how the fan base got the Snyderverse to come into existence I think is one of the most important things about that movie and that's not even involving the movie so I'm going to talk about the movie uh, Cyborg it's almost I don't know I don't even want to call it unfair it's an interesting 
thing because you have to compare it to the Joss Whedon version that was put into theaters, which was hot garbage, as everybody knows. And the fact that you get to see the origin of where that movie was supposed to go within Zack Snyder's vision and get to see that fully developed out in four hours of content. And I wasn't bored for the entire four hours. And that's pretty incredible because that's a stupid long movie. But the emotional arc of Cyborg coming to terms with being uh, this multi-amputee being combined with the mother box and living with the death of his mother and his dad slaving away to try and fix him and make him back to normal. I think the reason the Snyder Cut is such a good team-up movie is because every single character, the fact that it's four hours helps, but every character got developed in its own sort. So the Flash, instead of a one simple scene, the Flash gets to go through his emotional arc and save Iris, and we get the first uh, appearance of Irish, Iris West within the DCEU. Uh, Aquaman, the fact that he essentially seems like he had given up on Earth society besides this like one village, yet he gets turned into this a, like godlike character that gets brought into the DCEU. It felt shoehorned in the original version, and it sucked. But the fact that we got to watch that fully develop through through all, I guess, four parts, if you want to divide it into four parts. But Superman gets brought back to life. He's killed in Batman vs Superman, which I thought about making that argument, but that's never gonna stand toe to toe with any team up with the uh, with the Marvel franchise. I'm uh, just give you that there. But Superman coming back with the black suit and uh, going through his own emotional story arc where he has to rekindle his relationship with Lois, who's lived without her uh, her man or fiancé for however that amount of time was. Batman being the shepherd of the universe and bringing in all these really great characters and getting them to agree to not only get Superman back because that's what the whole beginning of the movie is is bringing Superman back to life because they know that the world needs a Superman and then it gets developed even further like this is all one movie we get to see Apocalypse in the war of the earth where the original like seed or whatever they call it got planted into the earth they have this ultra war we get the first appearance of a Green Lantern we get to see Greek gods fight Apocalypse and get just tuned up a lot i mean apocalypse essentially you know he gets to leave and do something excuse me dark side dark side yeah let's say there you go apocalypse is from x-men but dark side yeah why didn't i pick apocalypse that should have been my movie that movie's so good I would, <laughs> yeah that movie's terrible uh just it was gorgeous some of the like Zack snyder works with splash splash pages from comic books there are certain scenes in the movie that are just incredibly gorgeous to look at like the color play that he does within these wars and brings the panels to life it's probably the best thing you could do for comic book fans that's how i felt throughout while watching this movie i love the mcu but they take a lot of liberties from their story arcs and they don't necessarily hit on all of the iconic things you do have the one civil war arc where he's got the arc reactor going into the shield they did do that shot so i'll give them uh, give them props there but the lightning strikes and they you get to see the nightmare dimension at the end of the movie and that's not even part of the movie proper and that's a whole build up for a new franchise and that's my point on there I do have a couple counterpoints for Civil War but I'll let Ron take over for the moment 
Um, sure, yeah, because I'm, I'm thinking of counterpoints. I've seen Justice League twice and then the Zack Snyder version once. Uh, I've seen Civil War probably three or four times. Um, both very similar in some ways, the extent that like both did something that had already been done better, right? Zack Snyder did Josh Whedon's version better. I know that like originally this was to be his version, but um, and then Civil War, I think a lot of people would argue, did the Civil War comic better um, than the comic did. Uh, um, Civil War um, and Justice League, I think, also have you could give it the same criticism in terms of not only the not the movie itself, but the decision to make it when they made it. Um, and by this, I mean, uh, some people have argued that in Civil War, Tony and Steve don't really have like the greatest relationship going into it. And so the betrayal maybe isn't as great as it could be. And the Justice League, some people have said, why didn't they do what they did with the Avengers where maybe they built them up a little bit more? Um, I know that Hawkeye and Black Widow weren't built up super well, but um, like they only were able to do all that in, the, in, in Justice League because it's four hours. So given that criticism, um, I would love to hear you guys both talk about the decision to make this movie um, when they did and the impact it has on um, the universe as a whole. Obviously, Josh, it's a little more difficult given canicity. Yes, but I think but I think you can handle it. Um, I got you. Yes. Why, uh, why did they decide to make this movie when they did? Yeah, I'll go. Uh, so I think the Civil War was done at this point. It needed to be done. Um because they needed to reset the MCU in a way that like made more sense for some single spin-off movies to exist and get ready for what was coming up. Um, you, you needed kind of a hard reset that was like, Hey, all right, they're broken up. Now here's some other adventures that are happening. Okay, great. Now we can come back together. Um, as for, I think they did it at the right time between Tony and, and Steve's relationship because I don't think we would have liked it as much if it didn't feel like a natural, easy thing. I feel like there's something about a breaking up a relationship over something that seems trivial, but sort of just keeps building, right? I think the whole genesis of this movie is that, like, yeah, Winter Soldier did something wrong. Maybe he didn't, but Tony kind of just needs to bring him in. Like, hey, well, let's go capture him and then bring him in where Steve is like, no, I know he's innocent. I have to protect him. And it's something that's like a small little difference. Neither person's really in the wrong, but it keeps escalating and escalating and then being more and more wrong. And all of a sudden, that's how you get two people who aren't that far apart. um, And they end up being further apart than you think they would be. Just off the basic natural escalation that the movie does a really good job with. So it sets up the MCU well because it splits them up so that they, they can do their own adventure things. But within the movie structure itself, I think it gives a good explanation for why they break up. Yeah, that was, uh, I, it's, I don't even know if I want to call it a counter, but that was one thing I thought of during your argument that like you, you chose a war as your team up movie. Uh, it was kind of funny. <laughs> yeah, so you're breaking up the team and that's your team up. So, but, <laughs> okay. Uh, that's a good point. As far as when, the the Snyderverse was created. Um, the DCEU made a pretty critical mistake in trying to rush the get-together of all these movies, right? Or their characters. They were trying to catch up to Marvel so bad that they forgot to develop each character. So that's why Joss Whedon's Justice League sucks. It's not good. There's not enough to like chew on throughout that movie. It's only... 
two hours or whatever it was. And the characters, like, they just kind of feel shoehorned in and you're rushing everything. I think that's why they eventually caved and let Zack Snyder do his vision. One, there was the tragedy that he had in his own personal life, so that's why he left the project in the first place. So I guess it's kind of unfair because he got a chance to develop it into a four-hour project, which he had all in his mind, but there was no way that was going to come out in the movie theaters, and that's why the creation of HBO Max was so important. But the, the idea that in the four-hour movie, and you've seen it, is they kind of take care of that. Not every single character gets their own movie, but they get their own amount of screen time to where you buy into them actually coming together more than you did in the crappy offshoot version that did come out in theaters. And Marvel, what they did is they took the, each individual characters and then they did the team up for Avengers. This one, they had a couple of established characters from Man of Steel BVS and then they introduce more characters, and that equals the Justice League. So it's kind of just, it's choosing to do it a different way, and DC was trying so hard to catch up to Marvel, but I th think the creation of the, you know, four-hour cut alleviated all of that stress. Okay. I'm going to give this one to Josh, and I'm going to uh, give it to Josh because he successfully argued... Its role within comicdom. Um, also, I'm keeping the handicap in mind and the fact that I feel like yeah, you did pick your team up movie as a breakup movie when there's so many team ups with Marvel you could do X Men movies, Avengers movies, Spider Man movies. So many options. It's an interesting way to go, Coach. Not gonna hate on it, but I do love that. Movie. I feel like if I would have, if I could have a chance to dig in against Justice League, I would have had a better chance. But that's fine. Again, it's I'm all tied up. Okay, we got our last category. That's fine. Last I'll win category. the last one. It doesn't matter anyway. You take them. Animated. Let's go. Uh, so I tried to, just for the record, I I made sure I, this animated movie, right? I don't want to just argue Batman versus Spider-Man show, right? We're, just, we're trying to do an animated movie? Yeah. Yeah, okay. that was the point. We're doing all right. Uh, you won last, so you, you go first. Okay. Uh <laughs> plenty of animated movies to choose from. DC is far superior in that aspect. I think I don't think there's very many people that are going to argue that. I'm not saying that as like a knock on Marvel, but it's just true. And you and I've had this discussion before, coach, so don't make the silly face like it's not true. Um about to argue it's the animated not true. universe, but I'm not even going to pick one of the movies that they did put within this universe. I'm choosing my personal favorite animated movie and that's Batman Under the Red Hood. Oh, that's good. okay. I know it's so good. So, uh, to the non DC comic book readers, which I understand if you're not, because you're on the Marvel stuff, and maybe I'm losing. I don't know. But the death in the family was something that happened back in the '80s. The second Robin was completely unpopular because Dick Grayson had moved on to becoming Nightwing. So, because Jason Todd was so unpopular with the people they put a toll-free number within the comic books and it's one of the most controversial things to come out of comic books you can look into this a lot of people are saying that one person had like a machine calling the number over and over again so you would call to either choose to keep robin alive or kill him ultimately they killed robin and that's where this movie picks up In the beginning of this movie jason todd is trying to uh find his mother because he's a street rat he's homeless he even got introduced to Batman because he tried to steal the wheels off the Batmobile. And that's the introduction of that character. And he gets trained as Robin, but he's not the same as Dick Grayson. He's 
uh, violent and he's angry and he's he's a completely different type of kid. So Batman feels like he may have uh, made the call too early to let him out and just unleash him on criminals. So he gets benched. Jason Todd looks for his mother, goes to the base, and Joker kills him. So that's I'm just setting up here. The reason this movie is so good is because you're brought into this movie as the viewer you know that Red Hood is Jason Todd. But just the discovery of Batman figuring that out, because in his head, Jason Todd's been dead for 10, 15 years. And he comes back with a vengeance. He knows all of Batman's tricks. He knows what knives cut his ropes. And the casting in this movie was fantastic. Jensen Ackles of Supernatural fame got to play Jason Todd. Did a great job. We got Neil Patrick Harris as Nightwing. So I think this just kind of strengthens the uh, the argument here. But the animated adventure you get to go on is unequivocally the most fun I've ever had watching an, an animated movie. And I've watched a lot of animated movies in my day. And he goes through this adventure. Batman's trying to chase down Jason Todd's Red Hood. And because he was trained by Batman, it's more of a struggle. And there's this sense of betrayal because Batman didn't kill the Joker when Joker had killed Robin. And you're left with the emotional tie to Jason Todd feeling betrayed by the father figure. And that crescendos into the ultimate fight. And, of course, Batman gets the best of Jason Todd in the end. And that's neither here nor there, but uh, the way that it takes you through the story is just, it's super fun to watch. Uh, yeah, all right. I love it. Um, I, had, I had one in mind to begin with. I really wanted to go with Big Hero 6. Uh, I think it's a super fun movie. Mm-hmm. And then and then it hit me, a movie that I had forgotten how much I loved, Planet Hulk. Planet Hulk is so good. It's, a- it's obnoxious how underrated it is. It's so if you've never watched, it's like a, it's a classic gladiator trope. It's uh, the show Spartacus. If you've never watched, that might be the best show that uh, ever ran on TV. It's so good. That's not the wire. Um, it's it's literally the idea of a gladiator who becomes so popular because he's so good that he you know he gets a little bit more fame and power than he should, and he leads a rebellion and all that stuff. Except it's the Hulk. It's literally the Hulk just smashing on some weird foreign planet against other big giant aliens. And, you know, you, you get to root for him while he's the lonely gladiator to start. And he's proving himself and he's being a badass. And you're like, this is dope. And then as he starts to rise up, you know, he starts to get the attention of this person or that person. I think one of them is like the princess. Um, and as they as he starts to do these things, you find the intrigue of the the, you know, the king and how he was infecting his own planet so that we could do this or that. I don't actually remember the King's reasoning behind it, to be honest, but I just know that the Hulk and this princess kind of figure it out. And the Hulk gets a league, a ragtag group of gladiators against this official army. And it's dope. He's absolutely just smashing his way through and you get to watch the Hulk jump and fight big aliens. He fights big monsters. He fights big machines you know, the king at the end is the classic thing where he, he infects himself with the same thing he's infecting the people with, like Resident Evil style. So he becomes a big, giant, gross <laughs> thing at the end. So Arkham Asylum. Joker, yeah, yeah, Joker. classic stuff. And uh, it's he gets to smash, and then he gets to rule this planet. And it's really the best time you get to see Hulk be fully unleashed Hulk. He does the whole, like, as he gets angrier, he gets stronger thing, which we kind of lost in the MCU. So if you go back, you watch Planet Hulk, you get to have this feeling of like, 
oh, wait, Hulk is actually the most badass thing um, going in comics, where you don't get to see that very often. Do we uh, want to do counterpoints before we get Ron in here? Yeah, I do. Your movie's garbage. Um, red is a terrible color. Blue's way better. Uh, it should have been the blue pants, I think, would have been a much better movie, yeah, if we're being honest. Okay, <laughs> my counterpoint is... Uh, there's there's no plot <laughs> the hulk is just it's a beat-em-up movie that's not a cinematic experience spartacus is one of the best shows of all time it's, yeah, Spartac- it's cool to watch points for spartacus though you, you do but that's, that, they're just they're redoing that show they did an accelerated two hours you're you're ridiculous that's, no, they, this, totally this movie is all out gross. it's cool animated fun i do love watching like the hulk at his prime but there's no way Kay. that this is better than the actual Okay. No, I get to actual so, counterpoint no, here. Give me counterpoint. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Counterpoint. Yeah, counterpoint, Josh. Here's the thing. It's it's a good movie, but I think all the DC like animated universe movies are a little better. Also, Batman Ninja is the best one for the record. But Red Hood, it's a little, it's a little annoying because you kind of don't understand even what Batman's point is. Like, what he's is wrong. Jason is right. And you feel he's right the whole time. So you don't really understand. But, but then Batman convinces Jason that Jason's wrong and Batman's right. And you're like, no, that's stupid. No, Jason, you were right the whole time. No. Batman's a tool. You're ridiculous. That's one of Batman's staples is he doesn't kill in Red Hood is openly choosing to ignore that training. So that's because yeah, Jason's right. He should have killed Joker. A lot more people would be alive. Okay, well, even if that's the case... You're, there's still a good argument to be made, which makes it a good movie. No argument. So really, you just helped my point. Ridiculous <laughs> argument. Had a good okay. story. Here's my follow up. Um, I have not seen either of these movies, so this is, puts it more more fairly. Um, what is the target audience of this movie, and how does this movie do a good job matching that target audience? I mean that from like I'm thinking like age perspective, because animated movies can be kind of all over the map with that. Gotcha. Uh, yeah, so I think Planet Hulk, a little more so than, than Red Hood, you could start a little younger and, and you get down to like that that eight, nine-year-old range, and it's probably still really cool and effective up to like, you know, young college kids. It's it's not necessarily the movie I would show you, you know, a 30-year-old man at this point, because it is a little more beat-em-up. But if you are trying to sell it, to like just people who want to watch an animate like the people who watch more animated movies let's be honest are younger people this movie is exactly that it's wild it's jumping around um it's just enough plot to be interesting if you're older but it's also just enough straightforward like easy to understand like oh there's a betrayal the king betrayed us with his aliens we want him to get beat up it's just simple enough that i think you can get a little younger than you can without with red head there yeah, I mean, that's a good point. It's definitely targeted towards children, but I think that's not something the Red Hood was trying to do. They're more targeted towards, like, the 15 all the way up to, like, your 30s. You can invest within the storyline throughout adulthood. It's adult enough. It's got adult themes. There's even some gore throughout this movie. And the storyline, it's easy enough to follow, but it's complicated enough to keep the older viewer invested in things. And it it is a cool animation style. There's not as many, you know, team-up fights as Planet Hulk because that's more visually trying to get in your face with the action sequences. But I don't know. Personally, I think the thing that makes a movie is the plot, not just I want to beat my way up to the top. 
I can understand that there is a place for that type of movie, but I don't think that makes it good. Gotcha. For the record, Ron, if you choose Josh, uh, you're saying you hate kids and you don't want them to have fun. So just that. keep that in mind. That's not what I'm saying. Uh, um, I will. I, I So I, a lot of this for me hinges on Jason Todd as a character. He's a controversial character. Yep. He was and he is for different reasons each time. Um, I love Jason Todd. Only in one comic, the three Jokers comic, because Batgirl and him have different opinions, even though they're both traumatized by the Joker. And I think other than that, he kind of sucks. So I'm giving it to Coach. I think Blood Hulk is way better. I actually don't like Grant Hood's movie. (laughs) It's funny that you like that one, but... uh, That's ridiculous. Yeah, absolutely um, smashing. I have to I have to go here, but I will say if you're a Batman fan, if you do like Jason Todd, read Three Jokers. Um, it's Joker as three different Jokers. Is it canon or not? Who knows? Who cares? Um, and it's a lot of Batgirl and Jason Todd bonding over the trauma. And so their conversations about should we kill Joker or not are much more interesting from that lens of they've both been traumatized mm. in ways that Batman has not. Um, well, interesting. I want the audience to write in and tell everyone how wrong Ron is. <laughs> yes. Okay. Awesome I got to go. All right. See you, Ron. Bye, Ron. Yeah, we're about to. You guys are great. Wrap it up, too. Uh, yeah, so hopefully that was a lot of fun, guys. Obviously, uh, there's not a really a winner or loser going on here. We have a biased judge who has biased opinions and giving biased reasons. Yeah. Especially his last reason. Years, I've known Ron for That's true. Two. <laughs> That's also true. It's even more my favorite. It's also the Marvel stuff podcast. Um Especially his reasoning for that last one. I was like, yeah, I don't like a character. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I definitely felt like I, I won the other two fair and square. I'm not sure about that last one, but hopefully this was fun for you guys. Hopefully it's, you got fun out of our arguments, but also makes you think about like, what are your, some of your favorite animated movies? Some of the ones your favorite that are not part of the cinematic universe. Uh, we're going to continue to do these. We want to do them against other pop culture franchises. Like we said, um, and we'll try to have different categories each time, so that way... Switch it up. Marvel will be in every episode, and we don't want to talk about the same Marvel movies all the time and have the same people. So we'll have different categories that hopefully make it as even as possible. Obviously, we could have just done, is it MCU better than DC? And, and then, it's obvious the MCU is clearly better than the DCE. Right. So. so that's a little less fun, but hopefully... So give us ideas for not only what to do, but maybe what categories within those ideas, right? I want to do a Harry Potter episode... Comment in our Facebook group how we could approach Marvel versus Harry Potter and what ways, what topics you guys think would be interesting um, debates. All that kind of stuff. We're going to get all the big ones. Jump on the Star Wars Stuff Podcast Facebook group as well. Bug them because uh, we're going to get together and, and try to do one with them as well at we'll some point. Two of them Marvel versus Star Wars. So uh, hopefully you guys have fun with this and we'll meet you again here next week. If there's any breaking news, awesome. We're going to jump on. We're going to talk about that. Otherwise, we're just going to continue uh, pitting Marvel against uh, the pop Tune culture Wednesday, universe. Marvelous Steps, Logan. We will be posting that. It's going to be awesome. Yes, Logan's going to be dope. All right. Thank you guys so much for joining us. And until next time, just, you know, try not to have too much fun without us. <laughs>